the last line of that hymn is such a wonderful prayer, is it not? Stretch out thine arm, victorious king, my reigning sin subdue, and drive the dragon from his seat with all his hellish crew. Tremendous, tremendous words. Let us plead them before the Lord, make them our own. Well, I'd ask uh, you to turn to Mark uh, chapter 5. I wanted to make this announcement this morning, but, you know, funny thing, you come uh, up and then all the announcements that you had in mind to make just kind of fly out of your head. (laughs) So this was forgotten. Tonight, it will be a little different of a service. Um, It, I was thinking as I was, you know, praying and thinking what, you know, what to bring before you in the evening uh, service, I began to think, well, most of you don't really know much about me. Uh, We've not really talked at length uh, a great deal, and seeing that we are new here, my family and I, I thought we would take this opportunity in this evening service uh, for me to share my testimony with you of what God has done in my life. Um, So it will not be strictly a testimony. There will be times where I'll... I'll, uh, break out and preach a little more directly and apply things as, as the Lord gives help. But I think it's a good opportunity. It'll allow us all to get to know one another and ultimately give glory to God for a soul saved out of darkness, brought into light, and ultimately brought here to you. And so with the Lord's help, I want us to endeavor to do that together. So we'll read uh, just a brief portion from Mark chapter 5. Uh, We read Ephesians 2 uh, for our scripture reading, and I made the comment that that is every Christian's testimony, and I think that's very important for us to remember when we talk about testimonies, that even though we all have an individual story, we all have different aspects of God's providence to share and how he moved us to himself. At the end of the day, though there are different providences, it's the same power, it's the same power of God in the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit to save any sinner, no matter what they've been involved in, no matter their past or whatever their sins may be, the same power. It's very important to remember that, even uh, as I share tonight. So that's Ephesians 2, that's one side, and then Mark 5 is the other side. It's the individual aspect, because we read here about the uh, demoniac of Gadara, and we're not going to read the whole chapter, but if you read... Uh, from verse uh, 15. We'll read from verse 15. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. And they they that saw it told told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship that is Christ, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. That is the verse that I wanted you to see. Jesus tells the man, go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. This man 
regenerated by the Holy Ghost, still had an individual testimony. He had specific things that he could share of what the Lord had done for him. And so, I want us just to consider that tonight. Simply me sharing what the Lord has done for me. And just before we do that, I want to pray one last time, ask for the Lord's help. Our Father, we come one last time briefly and just ask Thee for Thy help, Lord. I am, I am weak. I am frail. Lord, we need Thee to move upon our hearts. Fill me with Thy Holy Spirit. Fill all Thy people here with the Holy Spirit and help us to hear Thy Word aright. Help us to meditate on this testimony aright. And Lord, may we all leave here giving glory to God for the salvation of my soul and the salvation of every soul here. For we ask it in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Well, I'll begin uh, just by telling you a little bit about my upbringing. I was not born in a Christian home. I had really no knowledge of Christ or of the gospel to any degree. have two uh, grandparents, grandmothers specifically, who seem to be genuine Christians, professing of the Lord, and I have no doubt that they prayed for me as I was uh, growing up. I'm certain of that. So an encouragement to all of you here with grandchildren, uh, though they may not be in the best of circumstances of life, your prayers are effectual. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that is the same for you as it was for them. Um, but my upbringing was not Christian, did not grow up in a Christian home. I did not have the Bible set before me in any form or fashion. Uh, and early on in life, uh, around 13, I began getting very heavily involved in drugs and alcohol and, and various things involved in that wayward living. And those things became vices for me for a very long time. Uh, it would be that way until I was 19 when the Lord converted me. And through that time, I lived for myself. I lived completely for the world, pursuing my own pleasure, caring not for the Lord at all. Not even caring if there was a God. That was basically my upbringing. I wasn't in a horrible home. My parents stayed together until I got older and then they divorced. Uh, but there was not an emphasis on the things of Christ. But in spite of that, the Lord eventually brought me out of darkness, as I said, into light. And my conversion took place, as I said, when I was 19, you know, around the month of October. Of, of 2015, as I, as I best I can tell, when the Lord actually gave me the new birth. Uh, but that all came about in various ways, and it's, and it's interesting. And what I want you to take note of here is the way the Lord uses simple means. Uh, I had been working at a, a restaurant in an area, and without getting into all those details, some people came by, some Christians, and they dropped off gift bags. And in those gift bags, there were little New Testaments. Now, I would hazard a guess that those people that did that have no idea what happened when they did that. 
I've never spoken to any of them. I don't even know what church they were from. But they came by and did a simple thing. Gave me the scriptures. They placed the word of God in my hand. And by that simple act, the Lord then began to work very evidently in my life to bring me to Christ. And so I want to encourage you with that. When you are out and about, when you have an opportunity to do a simple thing, to speak a simple word, it doesn't have to be a long discourse all the time. If you just have an opportunity to share a simple word, give out a gospel tract, give out a Bible, don't hesitate to do that. Because you do not know how that simple act can be used by God to bring a soul to Christ. And that was just one of the things God did. So they, they came by and dropped those off. And it was about a year later when, they, when I saw the Bible, uh, when they first gave them, that is. Uh, I said, well, you know, people, people think a lot of this book. I will put it in my glove box as a, as a good luck charm. And I'll keep it there. And so I did. Well, about a year later, uh, the Lord uh, gave me two car wrecks, very uh, severe car wrecks. And I was on the way home late one night, having been out uh, wayward living. And to make a long story short, crashed into a tree, totaled my truck, and came out without a scratch on me. Lord preserved my body, preserved me from many injuries. And this was significant to me. I'd had friends die in car wrecks, much less severe than the one I was in. And yet, even with that first car wreck, uh, the thought was simply, well, I'm glad I'm okay. Now I can go on uh, you know, living the way I am. There was no wake-up call, as it were. Well, when I went to gather my belongings from my wrecked car, I opened the glove box, and what do I find? I find the Word of God. I find the little New Testament. And what do I do? I said, well, that worked the first time. <laughs> so then it'll work again. So I put it into a new glove box when I got a new vehicle uh, with the insurance money. And about two weeks after I got that, I got into another wreck. Going on the interstate, <clears throat> pouring down rain, I hydroplaned, uh, not not to get into all the details, but it, it, was, it was a significant event that the Lord used to speak to me. Uh, I was going on an interstate uh, about 70 miles an hour in the left-hand lane, uh, the fast lane, that is, the passing lane, and there's a wall uh, next to me. I'm hydroplaning, sliding into the wall. I recognize that, so I turn my wheels, and as I do that, the wheels catch, shoot me across the interstate, across the other two lanes and smash my front end of the car into a guardrail, bounce around and smashes the back end because of the force. So the car looked like an accordion and I was left sitting driver's side facing oncoming traffic and a curve so that the people couldn't see me. And here's what the Lord did to preserve my life that day. He placed a family that was about 20 feet behind me driving, and they watched the whole thing happen. And you know, that family stopped in the road, turned their hazard lights on, and they stopped all the oncoming traffic that would have come around the curve and smashed into my driver's side. 
And the Lord preserved my life that day. And it was that event that began to make me question why I was alive. It was then that the Lord caused me to ask the question, I should be dead, why am I here? Someone is keeping me alive. That was the realization that came into my soul. I didn't know who it was. I didn't know what it was. But I knew I was being kept alive. So a couple days pass. I go to gather my belongings. And what do I find in the glove box? I find the Word of God. And the thought occurred to me. It's amazing how blind you are in your sin. I should read this now. (laughs) It's amazing that didn't occur before. But now the thought was, I have to read this. And then I'll go read a bunch of other stuff. You know, I had read other other things of religion. I was uh, very pagan into uh, various things like Rastafarianism, if you know what that is, and very uh, hippie-ish. And it was at that point that I, I didn't begin reading that little New Testament, but I asked my mother, do you have a Bible? Do you have, you know, I want to read, I know this is just part of the Bible, I knew that much. I want to read the whole Bible. So I asked my mother, do you have a Bible? And she did. Her, grand, her mother had given her uh, a Bible. And for those of you who remember, it was a, a living Bible. It was, you know, the green cover. They were very popular, I guess, in the 70s, 80s, whatnot. It's a, it's, really, it's a horrible thing. It's a paraphrase. It's not even uh, really a translation. And yet, that's what I began reading. And ultimately, that's what the Lord uh, used uh, to start bringing me along and working in my life. So even the, the worst of you know, translations, whatever, can still be used, although obviously you prefer something better. But that's how the Lord began to work in me. And I just began reading the Bible. I just began plowing through the scriptures from Genesis uh, and reading through the Old Testament and reading it all as an unbeliever, yet it began to, I began to believe what I was reading, these, these historical accounts of what the Lord had done for his people. I, I began to believe these things, that God created the heavens and the earth. I believe that. And I can't explain it to you. I had come through public school, been taught evolution, all these things, and yet as I read this, it, it resonated with me. I wasn't saved, but I for this, it was sticking to me, and I was beginning to believe what I was reading. Fast forward, I get to Exodus, and I read of the murmurings of the children of Israel after they had been delivered from Egypt, and how they they wish God would have left them in Egypt. And I thought to myself, what a bunch of ungrateful people. What wickedness to, to, to come out of that. And, and be murmuring and grumbling against this gracious God who's holy and just and, and yet He's merciful and He delivers you from your affliction and your, your circumstances. And I believe to this day that, that the Spirit of God impressed upon me that day, you're just like them. You're just like them. Look at what the Lord has done for you in delivering you and preserving your life, preserving you through all these years, and yet you live for yourself. And you do nothing for Him. You care nothing for Him. 
That was one of the first times I had truly been convicted for sin. Well, fast forward on several months. Um, I'm still reading through my Old Testament, but I'm, I'm not really willing to go to any church because the little bit of exposure I'd had to church, uh, no one had really talked about the God I was reading about in the Old Testament, this God who's, who's holy and he demands things of his people and he's powerful and, he, and he's, he's just, but he's merciful. And those things I had never heard before and so I believed I'm not going to find that anywhere. Well, eventually, uh, my brother-in-law and sister, actually through my mother, uh, invited me uh, to come to their church, to a church service where a blind evangelist would be speaking, giving his testimony. And I don't remember much of what the man said, but I remember that he emphasized how worthy Christ was to be served. I remember him emphasizing the, the, that he wouldn't tr- change anything about his life, even his blindness, how it had been used by God to give him opportunities to evangelize that he wouldn't have otherwise had, and how that he was so thankful that God took away his eyesight so that he could serve Christ in that way. And I walked away from that wondering, what is the big deal about Jesus? I'm, I'm reading the Old Testament. I'm, I'm trying to you know, somewhat obey the commandments. I'm, I'm trying to be a better person. Uh, I'm reading the Bible, so I have a leg, up, a leg up on people. That is where I was. And I was around, I was in Jeremiah at this time. And I remember saying, well, I'm going to finish Jeremiah and then I'll go, I'll go read one of the Gospels. I don't know. I can't remember. My brother-in-law had told me to read the Gospels or someone had counseled me that way. But for whatever reason, I finished Jeremiah and I went and read John's Gospel. And it was through reading John's Gospel that the Lord showed me the beauty of Christ. I read through it. I, I, I understood you know, what had happened, but I still didn't get it. It still had not sunk in, and so I read it again. And when I read it again, the words of John 5, 39 and 40 are what the Lord used to convert me to Christ, what I believe the Lord used. In John 5, 39 and 40, Christ is speaking to the Pharisees, and he says to them, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And it is they that testify of me, but ye will not come unto me, that ye might have life. Those verses hit me like a nail between my eyes. The first verse, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. That, that hit me like, like a deer in headlights. I, I knew he was speaking to me. I had been reading the Bible uh, thinking that somehow I was going to get a leg up on people. I was thinking that I was going to find life in, in, by doing that act. Search the scriptures for in them you think you, might have, that you think you have life. It is they that testify of me. I didn't come to understand all the things of the Trinity that day. But I recognized by the Spirit of God moving upon me that the things I had been reading about in the Old Testament were about Christ. That He was claiming there in John 5.39 that the whole Old Testament is about me. Its focus is on me. 
And I recognized that he was claiming that he was God. And then what he said in verse 40, And ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. It was then that I recognized my pursuit of my own righteousness. It was then that the Lord impressed upon me my need to come to him. And so I did. I cried out to the Lord. And he graciously saved me. And to this day, that hymn is a a simple hymn. I sought the Lord. But it's, it's one of my favorites because of the first line. It says, I sought the Lord. Then afterward I knew. He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I, O Savior true, that found you. No, I was found of thee. And that's the testimony of every Christian. And so that is my upbringing, my conversion. But I want to go further than that, not just my conversion, but my call to preach. That came sometime later, uh, not very long after I was saved, but I believe it came at least at first uh, around six months to a year after I was saved. I began feeling the urgings uh, to preach the gospel, to enter into Christian ministry, and the Lord used His Word again. He, like He did in my conversion, He used His Word in my call, and He did that from Exodus, uh, Exodus chapter Four, when Moses was being called, and it was these verses uh, that the Lord impressed upon me. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, the Lord has told Moses, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to deliver my people Israel. I want you to go and preach to them that, that I am going to deliver them from Egypt out of bondage. In verse 10, Moses said unto the Lord, O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And again, I had been praying and asking the Lord what He would have me to do with my life. And these verses, He impressed upon me. I cannot tell you how much I identified with those verses, especially at that time in my life. I was not, uh, not maybe not the same exactly as Moses, because he was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians. But just personally, I was not a good student. <laughs> I hated education. I despised reading. The first book that I really ever read through on my own was the Bible. (laughs) I hated everything about education. I, I could not imagine standing up and speaking before people. And yet, the Lord says, Who hath made man's mouth? In other words, who owns your mouth? Who's your creator? And what I call you to do, I enable you to do. Now therefore go. 
And so I did. I did not know where I was going. I did not know how it was going to happen. I didn't know the first thing. Uh, where do you, where do you, what do you do? Where do you go? How do you receive training for this kind of thing? But I went. I, I, I just trusted the Lord. He, he gave me grace to trust Him. He said, go. I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And to this day, I cannot tell you how much of an encouragement that text is to me. As you look at the life of Moses and all that he had to go through and all the encounters he faced, he could come back and he could look at that. He could remember that word from the Lord. And even as he eventually would write it, see it, go, I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And so that was my call to preach. And from from there, I, I spoke to my pastor uh, who at the time uh, was uh, my wife's uh, father, uh, who's now my father-in-law. And he, we, we discussed these things and, and basically, you know, just gave me little things to do here and there to start uh, helping me uh, gain a footing into the ministry and to see if this is really what the Lord would have me to do. Uh, but without getting into all of that, about uh, two years after my conversion, um, not to get sidetracked into all of this, but uh, we were in a Southern Baptist church and nothing against all, it's a mixed bag and they're not all bad, but anyway, through very, for various reasons, I came, became convinced that I could no longer continue there. And so I began to seek elsewhere and I went out uh, not knowing where I went. <laughs> And some of you may know what that's like, but I, I, I went out uh, having learned a little bit. I was exposed early on to, uh, to good preaching, uh, reformed doctrine, and these things. And so I had learned a little bit about Presbyterianism, not really a whole lot. I knew the plurality of elders was at the heart of it. And so I went out saying, well, you know, I'm going to try a Presbyterian church. And I had no idea of the sea of apostasy that you could find yourself in when you go out looking for a church like that. Um, because by and large, many of the Presbyterian churches you know, are apostate, at least the historic ones. And so uh, I went out, and the Lord eventually led me uh, to faith, uh, Free Presbyterian Church. And that was how that began. The way that happened, the Lord uh, kind of hedged me into an apartment that was five minutes away from that church. And basically, um, to make a long story short, I was looking into uh, various churches and uh, found this one and looked it up online, listened to a message from Reverend Colin Mercer on Psalm 2 and Christ is King, and that stirred my heart. And I began attending uh, that church then, the Lord uh, guiding me in. Because I just thank the Lord because the other church I was considering just going and visiting was a church called John Knox. Presbyterian Church uh, in Greenville, which is PCUSA. <laughs> so uh, I very easily could have found myself in a den of wolves. And uh, as a new Christian, you just, I mean, you know the Lord would have kept you and preserved you, but you just never know what uh, seeds of error could have been planted. But the Lord preserved me, and he, he brought me to faith, and he established me there and, and into free Presbyterianism. And then uh, right on the back of that, uh, by that time, I think right after I had started attending faith is when I proposed uh, to Amelia. 
And so just I want to tell you a little bit about what the Lord's done in giving me a wife. Uh, because all of these things that, that I'm talking about are the things that God has done. They're not things that I have done. They're not things that I could have done in myself. They're gifts from God. And I praise His name that He has been so gracious to someone who was in a lot of ways worthless living for Himself. And yet, he takes us from the dunghill. Takes her feet out of miry clay, sets them upon the rock. Puts a new song in our mouth, even praise to our God. But the Lord uh, was gracious to me and gave me a wife. You know, in the text that the Lord really impressed upon me at that time was Proverbs 18.22, He that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. And I can certainly testify to that, not to embarrass uh, Amelia or anything, but uh, she is a gift from God to me. She is a helpmate that is meet for me. And I have learned that more and more over the years of our marriage. We got married in uh, 2017, uh, July 30th of 2017. So we've uh, just come over five years. We're headed towards six and she's, she's still putting up with me. So I think we're doing okay. Uh, but the Lord blessed me with a wife. Uh, that's something else the Lord has done for me. And I cannot even begin to, to really fathom all the things that the Lord's done in my life and in my character uh, through her. And, and, and many of you who are married, you know how sanctifying it is to be married in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. But that was <clears throat> my marriage. And, and on top of that as well, uh, just again to emphasize how good the Lord is and how gracious He is. When Amelia and I got married, uh, I obviously believed she was a Christian. And yet about a year into our marriage, we were driving to church one day and she shared with me that she believed the Lord had saved her. That as we had been attending faith, and as she'd been sitting under the preaching, as she had been uh, reading uh, my testimony that I was submitting uh, at the time to a, to a school to, as I was pursuing training, that the Lord impressed upon her that she had never had true repentance, that she had never truly turned from sin. And she shared with me that she believed the Lord had saved her soul. And you just look at that and you marvel at the goodness of God. I've many times wondered where would we be today if the Lord had not saved Amelia when he did. He is gracious. But moving on from that and giving praise to the Lord for the salvation of my wife's soul. Uh, there were various times uh, in my Christian life thus far where I have struggled uh, with my past and struggled with my guilt. And perhaps you have done the same. You struggled with the sins of your past. You struggled to know, uh, has the Lord really done away with all my sin? And there are many places that we could turn to to see that. Uh, Psalm 103 has become 
presently one of my favorite portions of Scripture, and that's why we read it this evening. All thine iniquities. I won't turn to it, otherwise we may never leave, but it is glorious, and it should be read, I'm tempted to say it should be read every day by every Christian. But the two texts that I will share with you take the time just to read and, and just make a quick comment upon. The first one was 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, and the Lord used these verses uh, to give me greater assurance of forgiveness and of knowing Christ. And Paul, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And I read that, one of the first times I read that, I said, I'm in there several times. I'm in there several times. And then, the Lord gives us verse 11, and such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I cannot tell you how crucial that verse was to me in my early years as a Christian, and even now. And such were some of you. And let us remember that for each other, for yourself, of course, but even for those, those people that you know and you just you wonder, will they ever come to know Christ? Can they ever be saved? Are they too far gone? The Lord says, and such were some of you, concerning the worst of sinners. And then the other one is, is 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 21. This is, there's so much here in this text. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That verse, a few years ago, became deeply impressed upon my soul. My sin, taken from me and imputed to Christ, His righteousness, taken from Him and imputed to me, so that I stand before God with full acceptance in Him. Regardless of whatever is in my past. Horatius Bonner's great hymn in connection with this verse, I lay my sins on Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. He bears them all and frees us from the accursed load. I bring my guilt to Jesus to wash my crimson stains, white in His blood most precious till not a spot remains. That is what the Lord has done for us. And I share that particularly because that is a crucial point in my Christian walk, that the Lord has done that for me and continues to do that for me. And I trust He has done it or will do it for all of you. But the last couple things just to share with you, 
my son. Uh, so the Lord's given me uh, a wife, and he's given us a son. And we are thankful to God for giving us a child. And his name uh, is obviously a biblical name. But I sh- and I share this with you particularly because as the Lord has given us a child, I believe the Lord expects us to pray for the salvation of that child's soul. And I share that particularly with you because now that we have come here, I trust and pray that you will all labor with us in prayer for his soul. Obadiah, uh, we chose that name uh, for various reasons, but ultimately because it means servant of the Lord, servant of Jehovah, slave of Jehovah. And that is our prayer for him. Uh, The two main Obadiahs you think of in Scripture are 1 Kings 18, Jezebel's servant. The Obadiah there referred to is a servant in Jezebel's house. He is kind of behind the scenes, being faithful to the Lord in a wicked environment, and he's hiding the Lord's prophets, feeding them uh, with bread and water. So he's faithful to the Lord in a wicked situation, but he's behind the scenes. You obviously also think of the prophet Obadiah, who has more of a prominent role. He's a preaching, has a preaching uh, role to play in the Lord's work. And our prayer has been from the time where we learned of Obadiah's existence that and, and decided upon this name that the Lord would place him somewhere on that spectrum, would save his soul, and would give him a, 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 a place in God's kingdom serving him, whether behind the scenes and being faithful or even as a preacher of God's word. And I I beg you, please enter into that prayer with us. That is, that's how we decided upon his name. And the things that are spoken of there in 1 Kings 18, we won't turn there, but Obadiah, Jezebel's servant, speaks to Elijah. And he says to him these words, he says, Don't you know that I feared the Lord greatly from my youth? And so it is particularly that the Lord would save Obadiah in his youth, that he would be able to say, I have feared the Lord greatly from my youth. But that is our son, and the Lord's given us him and been gracious to us in giving us a healthy child and one who we trust to see come to know Christ. The last uh, two things are my graduation from seminary. That has to be in here because it's an act of God (laughs) that I made it through seminary. There were various times for various reasons that it was close. (laughs) I will say that, that there were various seasons where I just, I'd had it. I was really, I was kind of at my wit's end, didn't know why I was here, why am I doing this. Part of that was because I actually had a time of struggling with my call to the ministry and my call to preach the Word of God. And there were various things attending that. But the Lord ultimately uh, brought me through seminary and assured me, reassured me of my call to preach the gospel from Colossians 4.17. And Paul says there, he says, And say ye to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou fulfill it. Without getting into all of that, basically, this is a ministry you've received from God. He's appointed you to it. You don't get to just back out or, or take your hands off from the plow, as it were, 
and, and step away, take heed to it, and fulfill it. And that was what the Lord impressed upon me from that verse and what the Lord used to keep me pursuing pastoral ministry and to keep me uh, going through seminary. And then uh, miraculously, uh, someone who skated by in high school uh, managed to graduate from seminary. And, and I mean that. I mean, I, I m- barely made the cut in coming out of high school. So, <clears throat> But then the final thing, what the Lord's done most recently is obviously bringing us here. And I'll tell you, that has been one of the most humbling experiences for me. And what the Lord's done in putting in upon all of your hearts to vote the way you did, I did not expect it. And I am thankful for the Lord's work. I'm thankful for all that He has done. These are just obviously some of the things that the Lord has done. But I trust to see Him do much more here and in all of your lives as I'm sure each of you could get up here and testify to the glorious things that God has done from the time He saved your soul to this very day. And He will never stop. He does all things well. He saves us. Chose us in eternity. Saves us in time. And preserves us all the way to glory. But I'll just share with you regarding the call here. That it was... Mr. Walters mentioned how, how it was only about five days after the call came that I received. Accepted. Well, I assure you um, that those five days were uh, very stressful. <laughs> and the Lord moved upon my heart from various verses, ultimately from Psalm 56, 9. Uh, but a text that he impressed upon me while we were down here was Matthew 9, 36 through 38. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That was the first text that the Lord impressed upon me. When the call came through, I began to pray. I I went there. It was impressed upon me while we were here. Just just the need of the day, and, and particularly here in this congregation. And I began to pray over that. Well, when I began to pray over that, the Lord moved my mind to Colossians 4.17 again. Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. And I, I saw the Lord's hand moving a people to vote the way you did. And I saw the Lord's hand in moving our hearts and knitting our affections here. The next thing He impressed upon me was Nehemiah 2.10. And you know the passage there, Sambalot and Tobiah are upset and they're grieved because there's a man who's come to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. And I believe that that is what the Lord was having me do when He impressed that upon me. That I could go forward believing the Lord wants me to go there and seek the welfare of God's people. 
And then ultimately, as I said, Psalm 56, 9, I was still wrestling, still praying, still searching, not convinced until Psalm 56, 9, the Lord says there, when thou shalt call to me. Let me turn there just to make sure I don't misquote it. But Psalm 56, 9 When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. And that may seem like a strange verse, but it's the one the Lord used to seal to my heart that I was to come here. Particularly the latter part of the verse. For God is for me. I assure you, I would not have come here if I did not believe that God is for me. David could tell, and as he wrote this psalm, as he comes to verse 9, he could tell, he said, this I know, for God is for me. How did he know God was for him? Well, he knew various things that would indicate that God is for him. But particularly in my case, the providence of the Lord and the way he had led me through Scripture sealed to my heart that in this decision, in the acceptance of this call, God is for me. And I believe that. And so I don't know what God is going to do here. I don't... God is not required to meet my standard, as it were. But I believe the Lord has a place for us here. I believe the Lord will have us to do His work here. That is my family. So I wanted to take this opportunity to give glory to God. And if we all leave here praising His name for what He has done in my life and what He's done in your life, then my goal is accomplished. Pray for us, as you have been, I know. But continue. Pray for me. I need the Lord's help. I feel my insufficiency. But thankfully we can say our sufficiency is of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, what can we say? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for making me whole. Oh, Lord, we pray. Impress upon all of us here thy glory and the fact that thou alone art worthy to receive praise for thy work. Oh Lord, I can say honestly that my life is a testimony to that and I know everyone's life here is a testimony to that, to what God has done. Not what we have done. Not what I have done. But what God has done. And Lord, I pray, we pray, that thou will empower us for this coming year. Oh Lord, we don't know what is coming, but we know what Thy Word says. We know what Thy promises are. We know as You said to us this morning, Thy work, Your work shall be rewarded. And we plead again that promise before Thee. Oh Lord, please receive our thanks, Father. 
for the salvation of our souls. And we pray for anyone here, Lord, even the children. Lord, anyone here who is a stranger to grace, oh Lord, or people we know who are strangers to grace, may they even hear this at some point and may they see the goodness of God and may they experience the power of thy salvation themselves. Lord, please move upon our hearts even as we fellowship now after this service is over. Bless our conversation. Make it edifying to us. Help it to be honoring and pleasing to Christ. And help us all to go forth into this week serving thee with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. For we ask it in Christ's holy name. Amen.